This is Timothy Hughes, author of Social Selling Techniques to Influence Buyers and Changemakers, second edition. And you are listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. Welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast, helping you keep up with the smartest thinking in the quickly changing field of modern marketing. And now, here's your host, Douglas Burdett. Hello, thanks for joining me on the Marketing Book Podcast, where each week I publish an interview with the author of a new marketing or sales book, and which has been named as one of the top marketing podcasts by Forbes and LinkedIn, amongst others. Don't worry about taking notes. You can find links to everything linkable in this episode's website page at marketingbookpodcast.com. And since I get to read every book featured on the show, if I can recommend a specific marketing or sales book or any other resource I know of for whatever challenge you're facing, send me a LinkedIn connection invite with a message that you're a listener and I will do my best to get you pointed in the right direction. This episode is sponsored by Marketing Architects, creators of the all-inclusive TV advertising concept that's so revolutionary, they wrote a book about it. I'll tell you more and how to get a copy of the book in a few minutes. Now, let's get on with the show. Today, we welcome Timothy Hughes to talk about the second edition of his book, Social Selling, Techniques to Influence Buyers and Changemakers, published by Kogan Page. Tim Hughes is co-founder and CEO of the global social selling company, DLA Ignite. He was listed as one of the top eight sales experts to follow globally by LinkedIn and has been ranked as one of the most influential people in social selling by Analytica. He is also the co-author of Smarketing, How to Achieve Competitive Advantage Through Blended Sales and Marketing, which was featured on episode 218 of the Marketing Book Podcast in 2019. And interesting fact. His undergraduate degree was in electrical engineering. Tim, congratulations on the second edition of Social Selling, and welcome back to the Marketing Book Podcast. Thank you, Douglas. It's it's exciting to be back. Um, it's nice to be talking to you again and, and talking about these things. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I, I mentioned that you have a degree in engineering, and I just find it so interesting how many marketing and salespeople, authors who've been on the show, have an engineering background. You know what? It's gone, marketing, sales, it's gone from madmen to mathmen. And, you know, you're just one more person like that. Well, yeah. I, um, when I went into um, um, went into work, I actually went and did a technical role. And, and I thought, you, you, you know, you make the mistake when you're in your 20s, when you, you look at everybody else and, and what what you really need to do is go from zero to one. And, of course, you're ex- they're all at 100. And you think you need to go from zero to 100. And, and so you go, well, I need to do something else. And I decided to, I started working with some salespeople and they seemed to be having fun. So that looked like a good job. Great. Yeah. Well, now, Tim, just so you know, I started reading this book last Saturday and Sunday and I, while watching English Premier League, uh, just okay. to get myself psyched up and, and listen to, you know, some, some British accents and, and watch the teams play. And I would like to thank you, Tim Hughes, for making a cameo appearance on the episode Uh, recently published with Jeb Blunt that featured his book, Selling in a Crisis. And the foreword, for those who haven't heard it, the foreword of the book had a Game of Thrones style to it. And uh, I thought, you know, I could could read that. It was really good. I thought, you know, wait, Game of Thrones, there's no one better to read it than an Englishman like Tim Hughes. Winter is coming. That was Tim Hughes. That's that's from his intro. My first and possibly last voiceover gig. Yeah, yeah. Winter is coming. <laughs> is that is that? Have you got like a a a button you can press now on the on Winter your desk? Is coming. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. It's going to be on a lot of future shows. 
It's gonna. So, so, so I'm now like I'm now a um, uh, a jingle. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. So, now you're a Brit. You're a British yes. uh, subject, and and I don't want to you know tell the British people how to you know how how to run their country or anything. But I have one suggestion, and I. I I, I'm just going to put this out there. I don't need an answer right away. I, I just, I, I, I'll, because I, I, I love the British. I want to help the British. And I would like to suggest that Parliament pass a law prohibiting royal family members from marrying Americans. What do you think of that? <laughs> uh, um, yes. Interesting. Well, and now I, I say that with the full knowledge that uh, Edward the Edward Eighth uh, married the uh, Mrs. Uh, Simpson, and and then and then because of that he abdicated and had to his brother George the Sixth uh, became the king and 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 because of that you had Elizabeth the Second as your monarch for so many years so but so I realized that there was a benefit ultimately of Edward the Eighth marrying an American but going forward I, I would just you know I just want to put that out there you know there's no charge for these uh, suggestions on on how to run your country so. I do want to mention that I uh, saw several authors that I've had the honor of interviewing endorse your book, including Andy Paul, who's been on uh, yes. not too long ago, author of Sell Without Selling Out, which I absolutely loved. And he wrote The it's World... It's lovely, isn't it? Yeah, it was a great book. He's a great yeah. writer. And he wrote, The world of sales has changed. You can no longer rely on cold calls and spam emails to make your number. Tim Hughes has created a practical methodology that teaches sellers how to engage like a real human on digital and win. And I was very excited to see that the forward to the book was written by none other than Mark Schaefer, who's been on the Marketing yes. Book Podcast many times. And I was going to read that forward. It's not a long one. The best forwards are always very short. But you know what I did? I got Mark Schaefer to record himself <laughs> reading the forward. So I'm just going to play it right now. Okay, are you ready? Yes. My penis was oscillating between extremely sensitive and borderline traumatized. Oh, I'm sorry. That was the wrong audio. That's that's from a from another book that's going to be. On Is that the show. that was a spare book? Was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. He um he wants to be on the show as well. Sorry, I apologize about that. Here here's Mark Schaefer. I was recently asked this question: In the many years you've been immersed in social media and social commerce, what has been the biggest change? My answer came easily. Business has taken the social out of social media. In the early days of the social web, businesses were determined to join and master this new social conversation. And they did so by engaging in real dialogue with people. I remember having direct conversations with real people from the biggest brands. Some of these early pioneers became better known and more beloved than the brands themselves. They're all gone now. Over time, big business wanted to scale the work and cut costs by turning conversations into automated reactions and human engagement into efficient algorithmic replies. Soon, all those conversations and brand relationships were gone. Happily, this is turning around again. Companies are seeing that there is real value in connection and caring. There always has been. There always will be. The human touch in social media, 
on the brink of extinction is making a comeback. I'm not saying there is never a place for technology or automation. I'm saying that we have gone too far and used technology to erect annoying barriers between our teams and our customers instead of using these wonderful tools to tear those barriers down. I've written extensively about how the most human company wins, and gratefully, Tim Hughes has not lost sight of this truth. He's built a blueprint for you in these pages that recenters the sales function on relationships and using social media in a way that amplifies the most human qualities that already made you great. He's put technology in its proper place. The most human company wins. This book shows you how. Quite a forward. Isn't that amazing? He he also did me a video, um, which he, he's been so generous. Uh, he did me a video, which he posted on LinkedIn, where he said it's the best social selling book uh, he's ever read. Um, he And the fact that he thought he knew something about social and he's taught social selling. But after he read the book, he realized he didn't know anything. It was just awesome. And of course, I, I sold a load of books and made a load of contacts off the back of it. But Mark has been so supportive. Yes. I can't yes. thank him enough. Well, you know, speaking of the royal family, uh, Tim Hughes, did you know that Mark Schaefer is royalty? Um, I didn't, no. Mark Schaefer is the king of the Marketing Book Podcast. Is he? Yes. He's been on eight times. And now, just so you know, when I say king, I don't mean like your royal family. I mean like king like Elvis. (laughs) He lives in Tennessee just like Elvis. He lives in a gated compound just like Elvis. He gets on stage people go crazy. I mean, that's the similarities are really amazing. And he's really kind of gone too far with it sometimes, because during his interview, he kept saying, I am your king. And it just, just got, you know, got a little, it got a little repetitive. I am your king. So I want to go to uh, page 41 and just get into mm-hmm. this. The idea of social selling always sounds appealing. All you have to do to sell on social media is log in, find opportunities and close deals. Easy, right? The, prob- oh, yes. <laughs> the problem is that social selling isn't selling on social. Well, yes. not in the traditional sense. The mistake people make is that they take what they have been doing for the last 30 years and apply it to social media. Sorry, yep. but it won't work. And then you go on to write, moreover, the question, why should you do social selling? Seems like it has an obvious answer. In reality, though, the standard answer of it's a new good way to find leads is misleading. As we shall go on to explain, the reality is that social selling has become the only way that B2B selling can be done at all. In fact, social selling is now selling. So, Tim, it's it's my sense, and I could be wrong, but that social selling is one of the most misunderstood terms and concepts. Would you agree? Yeah, yeah, I would. Yeah. So, to, to, to come back on that, I think that, um, you know, since I started selling in the 1980s, and uh, what we did was that we, you know, I started cold calling people. I would interrupt somebody and then I would you'd pitch. Then in the 1990s, this amazing thing called email came along. Um, and what we did was we sent people emails, which we interrupted them and we pitched. And advertising is interrupting people and pitching. Um, and what happens is that people think, well, that's how you sell. So what we'll do is that we'll turn up on social media and I'm going to interrupt you and I'm going to pitch. But of course, it's spam. And the um, what people don't recognize is that 
the the title or the hint is in the the title which is social media which it's media to be social and we've all had enough of people sending us connection requests and then um saying here's a list of my products and services or you know i had one today you know an email was saying you know and, and i didn't even know what the person was talking about i mean i'm pretty pretty good on on what's going on in the world and it was like you know classic you know i didn't know what they were trying to sell um so um the um yeah and and, and what people don't recognize is that so the other thing, Douglas, that people often think about social selling is that you have to, you in effect do the whole sale on social media. Yes. No, you're still selling. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and what, what, what I get is, yeah, no, this is no good for me because we have to talk to people. Uh, yes. No, no, no. So, so social media is your, you know, what we, what I talk about in the book is that social media is your ability to get conversations at scale. Why do we need a conversation? Because conversations create sales. You know, what I sell needs to have a conversation and just so the same as with every other B2B people. And what social enables us to do is to do it at scale to, to a, a modern digital buyer. Yes. And now you started to touch on it, but it, on page four, you said sales and marketing in their current form are broken. Anything else to yes. add to that? Uh, no, I think that pretty much sums it up. I mean, we the the, the we get so much feedback about um, the people are saying right now that there's there's no pipeline, um, mm. and the things that they've been doing um, for you know you know the fact you know it's 2023, and here we are expecting to do things that we did 30, 40 years ago and getting a response, mm-hmm. um, and here we have organisations that are saying well we've got no pipeline right now. Um, so what we're going to do is more of what we, we've done to generate no pipeline. I mean, who was who it who said um, the the definition of insanity is um, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting some a different outcome? I've heard it attributed to Albert Einstein, but all the cool yes. quotes are attributed to him or Mark Twain. Yes. I found it interesting that you mentioned that you get hired by marketing folks and I know Jeb Blunt, since we mentioned him before, he said he gets hired more by marketing people than salespeople because the sales function is broken. Yeah, I mean, it, it will be different in different organizations. I mean, what's happened in sales is that there's a race to the bottom. Uh, there's an expectation that what we're going to do is that we're going to take the um, the ability for salespeople to make decisions and and drive that down. So what we're going to do is that we're going to force salespeople through particular processes. Um, and the, the the view of that is because they're too stupid to to actually think for themselves. Um, and the and, and the whole thing is the, the the whole thing is based on the fact that we seem to assume that the buyer is stupid. I mean, you know, when when you go through a deal process and you're going to ring ring the buyer on Monday and send them a connection request on Tuesday and send them an email on Friday, we all know what's going on. A <laughs> sequence, yes. We're not we're not we're not you know we're not muppets and we just block everybody and and the, you know we 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 work with organisations where the salespeople say oh they've gone out and bought some they've spent mega millions on on this system it's going to force us through this sequence and all that happens is everyone just blocks us. Yeah. Also in the book, you talk about how a lot of people think uh, social selling has something to do with simply buying a new platform or buying a new tool. 
Yeah, we, we, we this seems to be the answer to everything at the moment. We haven't got any pipelines, so somebody turns up and we'll 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 get some some tool or something. And and it, um, you know, sales is sales. What we need is conversations, and what we need is an ability to 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 go where the modern buyer is. And all the all the data shows, you know, Salesforce, Gartner, HubSpot, Highspot, everybody is saying that the the modern buyer is on digital. So why have we got our Salesforce basically in an analog world? They're not fishing where the fish are, and it's it's unfortunately this is the the situation. People are coming to us saying we've got no pipeline. Well, we know that because you're not <laughs> you're not you're not you're not working where your buyers are. Yeah. Oh my goodness, uh, Tim Hughes, you must feel like you're always taking crazy pills uh, when, he's, when he's talking to these guys. It must it must require a lot of patience on your part. I wanted to mention a couple uh, great quotes here. Page four, you say it's worth pointing out that social selling is not selling on social. Spamming on social is just spamming on social. Spam, 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 Because I'm interviewing a Brit, I had to play the Monty Python. I always like a bit of Monty Python. Yes, I can't go wrong. Page 14, people hate being sold to regardless of the platform. And if you think social selling is about selling on social, then you are not going to get very far. And all the way at the end, page 271, you write, social selling is about carefully approaching the right people slowly and in a considered fashion, one-to-one with the correct message. Now, Tim, we've got to talk about the phone because I've read lots and lots of great sales uh, books, and they all talk about pick up the damn phone. Hmm. You write that Merrill Lynch has banned cold calling and moved all their people to social selling. How's that working out for them? Well, they um, the reason why they went public on that was because it was it's it's far better for them, <laughs> and, I, and I'm not surprised. I mean, you know the the. Um, we, we often talk to people about, and they say, "Oh, yeah, we we implemented cold calling." You know, for example, um, you know, we implemented a. We just got to make one more call, and then we realise that actually nobody's answering the phone, so it's a bit pointless. You know, mm-hmm. that you know, we the expectation that you're going to be able to use processes that were around in 1980 and 1990, and expect them to work in a post-COVID uh, uh, world. You know. Everybody is saying what happened in the past will not help you in the future. The buyers have moved to digital. We know that. The data shows that. And basically, you know, trying to phone people that are not in the office, are not answering the phone. I get, I don't take cold calls and I just block the number. You know, when people send me spam emails, I just create rules and it just goes straight into the waste paper basket. And so does everybody else. Mm-hmm. You know, organizations are just wasting their time expecting that somehow or other this sort of old-fashioned um, stuff that's been going around for 40 years is going to dig them out of hole. Then the thing that really, really scares me is that we get companies coming to us that have been using these processes and are saying, we haven't got any money to pay the staff. We've got no money to pay the rent. We thought that these gurus and these sales experts held the answer and they don't. Mm. And and what they do is that they suddenly find that 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 you know that 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 they've they've been in a situation where they're following the wrong path, um, and the expectation that you can suddenly start picking up the phone and making calls like we did in 1980, it's it's a fallacy. It doesn't happen anymore. 
TV advertising is a powerful channel for business growth, and it's a counterintuitive solution for businesses frustrated by the rising costs of digital marketing. But the traditional process for launching TV campaigns is expensive, time-consuming, and complex. That's why marketing architects flip the traditional process on its head. With all-inclusive TV advertising, they invest their own money to produce, analyze, and optimize your TV campaign. All you pay for is media, setting you up for rapid growth at a significant cost advantage. This approach to TV is so revolutionary... They wrote a book about it. It's called All-Inclusive TV, How Booming Brands Are Reimagining TV Advertising. It explores how a variety of brands are using TV to transform their businesses and how you can do the same. For a copy of the book, visit this episode's website page at marketingbookpodcast.com or visit marketingarchitects.com slash book and tell them you heard about it on the Marketing Book Podcast. Now, let's be clear. You are not at all anti-phone, right? Uh, Not at all. And you talked earlier about you still have to sell. It's not all on social media. The phone works no. great. You're just saying, what what we're using, what we're doing. Yeah, we're not anti phone at all. You know, it's, this is this is not this thing that you have to transact the whole thing over social media. Not at all. <laughs> you know, you know the whole the whole point is what you do is you use social media to create a conversation. Mm-hmm. And and so so we have a definition of 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 social selling, which is it's using your presence and behavior on social media to build influence, make connections, grow relationships and trust, which lead to conversation and commercial interaction. Those conversations could take could take place over the telephone. Normally, they would take nowadays they would take place over Zoom or Teams or something like that. Mm-hmm. But what we're doing is that you know you could have a face to face meeting. But what we're doing is that we're using social media at scale to allow us to have those conversations to reach out to all the stakeholders. You know, one of the things that's changed is the number of stakeholders that are inv- involved in the sale. You know, we're working with a supply chain software company where they say there's a, th- a hundred stakeholders involved Mm. so how how do you so you know if you think about a sale what happens is at some point there's going to be a meeting of those stakeholders and they say which product we're going to buy and people are going to vote on it now what you have to do as a salesperson is to cover all of those bases so you need to talk to all of those people build relationships with them and have a conversation with them to start that by annoying them by calling them and and um, sending them spam emails is not a great place to start so but what you're able to do is actually go to people and they will see that you're an expert um you build a relationship with them have a conversation and that's how you build relationships at scale within b2b enterprise yes it reminds me of a book that was on the show a couple of years ago by david uh, primer called sell the way you buy <laughs> he had yes. been a, he had been a seller salesforce guy and then one day he just said wait a minute i hate being sold i he he had a sales team and he said i can't i can't I don't buy. This doesn't work on me. And he told us, "Yeah, it's 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 a really great book. It's a great (laughs) book in terms of understanding that 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 you know what we're trying to do. You know, he was spending all his time hiding from salespeople who were sending trying to call him and send him spam messages. And he says, (laughs) and and then the day he woke up, he said, well, maybe my all my customers are doing exactly what I'm trying to do. Yes, oh, I loved it. I loved it. So. LinkedIn is one of the platforms, maybe 30%. And then you talk about uh, several ways of being uh, social. It's not just LinkedIn, folks. But you say one of the best ways to be found on LinkedIn is to have a wide and varied network. Can you explain what you mean by that? Yeah, um, I think in in terms of um, social networks, it's important to be on LinkedIn. 
But I think people get too caught up with being, this is all about the algorithm and, and um, knowing about the intricacies. It, it doesn't mean that. What we have to do as modern professionals today, it's not just sales professionals, it's HR. In fact, everybody across the, the whole of the enterprise, we need to have the skills of walking digital corridors and having digital conversations. Um, even the uh, World Economic Forum now recognize this as well, and they're putting stuff out. And there was a debate at the Davos um, uh, uh, meeting just a couple of weeks ago. So um, one of the things, well, there's, there's three things that you need in terms of, of, of um, social selling. First and foremost, you need to have a biocentric profile. Mm-hmm. The mistake that people make is that they think it's all about them. So I'm going to go out onto social media and tell how, how, how great people are. Well, the average person looks at a salesperson and says, I don't like you. I don't believe a word you say. I don't trust you. Um, and I, um, you're just going to try and sell me something I don't want. So the great thing about social media is that we go online and we can avoid salespeople. And we do. Right. And there, a lot of their profile, most people on LinkedIn have a profile written for a recruiter, <laughs> not for someone they're selling. Well, to. exactly. And, and so what assumption can we, what assumption should, the, should their leadership jump to? The only assumption that you can jump to is that they're looking for a job. <laughs> and, and what happens is, and one of the things that we teach is that people come onto social media and jump to conclusions. You know, it, when, when your LinkedIn profile is a CV, it's clearly that you're looking for a job. Um, if you suddenly say, you know, if you've got on your LinkedIn profile, you know, I've made President's Club for the last four of the last five years. And as soon as I get my teeth into a customer, either I will die or they will die first. But they will, I will always close the deal. Th- that is, you know, what will happen is that uh, buyers will walk away from that. Now, the difference, the transformation that's taken place into social is that we have buyers walking towards salespeople. So um, Namos uh, Consulting, the CEO, took, uh, has written a small piece in the book, Chris Mason. He, he He's in a situation where we transform that sales team. Um, a buyer was online. So there's some research that just came out yesterday from Simon Kemp. If um, people aren't aware of Simon Kemp, he produces the the data for social. And he's a great person to follow on LinkedIn. Um, yesterday it came out that people are now searching on social more than using Google. And we search on social differently. When we search on Google, what we do is that we say, um, uh, give me the names of the best Italian restaurants in London. Mm-hmm. Because we have intent in going to the, the, uh, um, to that <coughs> to a, a Italian restaurant. Or telephony providers. Yes, yeah. Or, or, or what happens is that you, um, but if you go to Google and search, what is the best CRM system? What you'll have is 10,000 CRM vendors buying that search. So we come to, um, uh, we come to social and that's more discovery. We don't actually know what the answer is. So what we're doing is that we're searching and we're looking for something, but we don't know the answer. And what happened was that, um, uh, Chris, the CEO, Namos, gives a story that the sales that the um uh salesperson was found the buyer said you look interesting then there was the normal conversation it could have taken place over a telephone i don't know um between sales and buyer and that turned into a 2.6 million dollar deal 
They subsequently took another half a million dollar deal, half a million out of that customer. This is serious money. These are these are these are businesses that are, that that are, are making significant changes and doing significant deals on uh, uh, on social. So, what to come to your question? Why do you need a wide and varied network? Well, when the buyers are searching on on um, uh, social, you need to be in their network. We don't have time to go into the detail of the difference between the way that search works on Google and work, search works on LinkedIn is different. But what you need is you need to have a buyer-centric profile, a profile that the buyer will go, you look interesting, I think you can help me. Mm-hmm. You then need to have a wide and varied network. So you need to be in the networks of the people that you're trying to influence. So for example, we give an example, we do a um, uh, an introduction to social media and influence presentation to organizations, um, which goes through the data and it goes through the changes that have taken place in the world. And um, it goes through some of our case studies. Um, and um, one of the case studies that we use um, talks about how, um, uh, just like Namos, the, what they've done is that they've used um, that they've used their network to, to get hold of um, people to come towards them. So, for example, one of my salespeople is connected to a thousand people in a particular account he's trying to get hold of. He's connected to the whole of the C-suite in the UK, the whole of the C-suite in the US. But And, and I talk to a lot of sales leaders and I say, if you're running quarterly business quarterly business reviews, QBRs, or, or any account process, you have to be asking now the salespeople, how many you connect, people are you connected to in that account? Because if you're not connected to those people, you don't have relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and so BMW is a client of ours. Um, they've got 120,000 um, employees. Now, do you, should you be connected to one person or 10 people or 100 people? I was with a sales um salesman friend of mine the other day having a cup of coffee and he said oh you need to be connected to 10 percent of the the uh the the people i said well that's like twelve thousand people and he kind of shrugged and that's so uh, anyway i don't know what the answer is right but your your question about you 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 have to be fishing where the fish are which is you have to be connecting to people on social and building a wide and varied network and this is not connecting to people and say hey douglas i'm your local salesman for um for for whatever because you'll just get ignored Mm because no one wants to talk to salespeople and andy um talks about it in his um um andy paul talks about it in his book um, uh, exactly the same position, which is as soon as you get, as soon as someone pitches to you, there's a, there's a reaction. I can't remember what Andy calls it, but basically the reaction that we have is fight or flight. Yeah, I think it's called reactance. Reactance. That's it. It's, yeah. it's, so so it's a it's a psychological condition. Mm-hmm. So so whenever you basically pitch to somebody, you immediately set up a psychological condition, which is fight or flight. So don't connect to people. And and one of the things that we do is that we t- we teach people how to connect to people without being spammy. So the buyers want to find the seller. That's where the network comes in. Is it so that you can be better found? Well, you're well, you're doing two things. One is one one of the th- um, things that I, we often get tr- criticised about, which is that somehow or other we're doing stuff and we're going to hope people to walk towards us. It's nothing to do with that at all. It's a tiny part. Doing, it's 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 a you know here is a, this, this is a, this is a sales strategy. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's a methodology that you follow, just like any other sales methodology. You know, you do this, you do this, you do this, you get this result. And what you're doing is that as you as you go through your process of doing outbound. Um, 
prospecting. And as you do outbound prospecting, what you're trying to do is get conversations. But what you're doing is that you're connecting to people um, that you're trying to influence. So, you know, you will connect to more people. You know, there's, there's never one person involved in the sale. You know, Gartner says now there's 10 people involved in the sale. So you've got to be connected to at least 10 people. And then you'll say to me, well, I don't know all the 10 people that are part of the sale. Well, then you need to be connected to what? 20 people or 50 people. Mm-hmm. But whatever happens, what you're doing is that you're using this way of having conversations. And as we know, quite often when we go out into accounts and have conversations, we pick up intelligence. And talking to people that may be not involved in the sale, um, actually, we, we find other things. But this is our ability to, 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 to get that influence and use that wide and varied network um, uh, across accounts. And this is one of the ways that we're able to proactively go out and do deals. Um, and, and as I talked about, you know, big significant deals as well. And what do you say to people who might come back with, well, my customer or my customers are not on social, like a specific customer? Um, I will usually, I will, I will, well, there's now, the, 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 from the figures that came out yesterday, 60% of the world's population are on social media. They're active on social media. Um, and what does active on social media mean? Well, the average person spends two hours, 30 minutes a day uh, f- a, a, on social media. So most people are on social media. We have a buyer team of, what, 10 people? Yeah, maybe not the CFO's not on social, but the other nine people are. And, and what organizations, you know, Microsoft, for example, what they're doing is that they're looking at, you know, I talk about in the book about the change makers. They're, there's a particular type of buyer type called a change maker, and they're looking for that change maker in that account. This is in the, the Azure sales. Um, they're looking for that particular person. They're feeding them with in, insightful content. And then those two particular people are basically sharing it within the account. So in a way, if you're doing this as a strategy and and, and and following the methodology, the fact that somebody may not be on social media doesn't matter yeah. because the other people in the, it, who are on social media are basically doing the selling for you. Yes, and let me just follow up with that about the – this is from page 46 where you write, essentially tomorrow's C-level execs have emerged from education and gone into commercial life having a very good understanding of how to use a network to ideate solutions to complex problems. Importantly, this ideation happens without bias. And as we said before, bias is a block to efficiency. Now we're in a situation where C-level exec doesn't have to be interrupted by salespeople anymore because he can just pass problems down to change makers who very keenly go out and find a solution to the business's problems on social media. Social selling is all about getting the salesperson back into that process. Another theme that runs throughout the book that I'd like you to explain, and it may mm. seem obvious, but you say that most organizations you talk to, social media is seen as a tactic rather yes. than a strategy. Let's, yes. let's, not, uh, let's not blow past that too quickly. Explain what you mean there. So when um, um, once upon a time, when social media came out, uh, we didn't know what to do with it. So it was given to the marketing department and they said, well, we don't know what to do with it. So we'll put it in a box and we'll put it in a cupboard. Um, and then people say, well, we need to do something on social. Okay, we'll go to the cupboard, take it out. And what we do is we put out a post once a week and we basically ask everybody to go and um, like it. Basically using uh, it as a broadcast medium. 
Yeah, it's so. So you're basically used. So it's a broadcast medium. Now we've already agreed that. Um, uh, so so your average person on social media, their only network are their existing employees, um, their previous employees, and recruitment consultants. So what you're doing is that you're asking people that have no network to like your stuff. So even though you're using it as a broadcast, no one's going to see it anyway. And so we've got marketing departments that are, are spending billions of dollars basically talking to no one. Um, employee advocacy is, a, is another example where you're actually training. You know, what we're doing is that we're taking the brochures that nobody will read in all the other um, uh, channels that we have. And what we're going to hope is we're going to put them onto social media and our, our, our employees who have no network are going to basically share them out. Now, what, what's been proven is that nobody comes to social media to read brochures. We go to a website to do that. So what happens is, and I talk to a lot of people and I say, do you ever go to your um, timeline on LinkedIn and go, boring, 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 that looks interesting. And they all go, yes. And I say, so what we need to be are the, that looks interesting, not the boring, 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 boring. <laughs> and, and everybody agrees. And then they go back and start writing brochures. Now, when you put brochures out on LinkedIn, all you do is you train your customers and you train the algorithm to ignore the people that are basically posting them. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, we're 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 um, we're we're in this situation where um, um, you know so money is being spent on content and nobody is reading it. And Mark Schaefer talks about it in his book as well. Yeah, you know, another thing Mark talked about in his most recent book, "Belonging to the Brand," is uh, community. And you write in this book, we discuss the need for community. Community is often talked about in the realms of some sort of hippie idealism. <laughs> but but what does Tim Hughes mean by that? Um, well, I, I loved Mark's book because of the fact that he is talking about um, uh, community. I mean, we've we've built um, on page, is it 70, 71, um, Eric Doyle, who's uh, part of my team, um, has built an amazing community, and I get him to write about it. Well, and I should add, there's a whole chapter on community, and there's only about 10 or 11 chapters, so... Yeah, so well, there's a um, there's a great piece there on seventy one and seventy two where uh-huh. Eric Dora writes about community. So what he set out about, um, for example, what we've been trying to prove is you don't have to be boring um, on social media and in B two B marketing. And what he's done is that he, it, it, unfortunately, it's really early in the morning for you because it's at quarter to eight UK time. But what he's tried to actually do is use his. Um, uh, British sense of humour. Well, he's Scottish, so he is British. Um, and um, you know, there's certain. I don't know if you, if if Vic Reeves and Bob Mortimer ever, Mortimer ever came across to the states, um, but it's very Monty Python esque. Oh, and what he does, and what he does is he's created something called the the Breakfast Burrito Show. Uh-huh. Um, and on on those pages, he explains why he went ahead and actually built this. The whole point of it was to uh, build a community. Um, off off the back of it was basically it's um, modern networking mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a modern community but what they do is so so what he wanted it, it it could be a place where people feel they could belong it could be a place where people feel as, as safe to express themselves it could be a place where people can really see and understand other people which is qualified reference and it could mean a new way to network um and and what he's done is actually created an environment it's a linkedin live he'll get 300 people attending 
which for a LinkedIn Live, for a non, you know, we're not a Gartner or anything like that. For an organization, um, a small uh, startup organization, that is massive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what it's doing is, we, we, he actually had somebody come to him recently. And this is, this is the responsibility that he has now. The guy actually came to him and said, I actually was thinking of ending my life. And I happened to be on LinkedIn and I saw your show and it stopped me. Mm. That is absolutely powerful because what Eric is doing is he's doing creating a community, community of, of, of support, but also having a laugh at the same time. Yes. And, and that also is generating an important thing for the sales leaders out there. It's generating leads and meetings and it's getting revenue. Right. And in Mark's book, he talks about how community is very often misunderstood, and as, yeah. as do you, and it's not a place to sell to people. And you write, the mistake many people make about communities or tribes is that it's all about the number of people in that tribe. A modern term for that could be followers, or people often mistake it as market reach. Community isn't that either. The key yeah. is that people share amongst themselves for the common good of that community. So let's jump ahead to yep. another topic that's of great interest. You write that, again, this is one of those lines just jumped off the page right at me. You write that if you are in B2B enterprise sales, having a personal brand is as important as having a mobile phone. You don't yep. exist without it. Explain. There was some research that came out uh, two weeks ago that showed that um, CEOs that have a personal brand on LinkedIn gets 20% more investment and um, CEOs who have a personal brand on Twitter get 5% more investment. So there's a, a very much a very clear um, a monetary reason. But also, I talked about biocentric profiles. Your buyer is on your buyer is on digital. We know that the data shows that, and your prospective so, employees are too. Uh, uh, yes. So, 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 so um, one of the things about digital is that everybody is on there. So, your investors, your employees, your your um, your future employees. Um, I can talk about that as well. And about, about the news media. People, uh, yeah. So, so that so that so your people the, the the world is on digital. So you need to be on there. If you're not, and you don't have a position, then what happens is that you're invisible. You're invisible to, um, I, I don't like calling it the modern buyer because it's, it, today it's the buyer. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're invisible to the investor. You know, if you're a startup, the only way that you're going to get investment is by, you know, by people are going to come and look at your social profile. So my partner's youngest is 27. He goes when he's he's in sales, and when he he, he you say so where where who do you want to work for? He says, well, I go onto social media, and I look at the C suites, and and I and Luke and everybody else can see what an organization's culture is like by what you're doing on on social media. We can see by what you're not doing on social media. We can see what you're, you know, and, and having that vision, you know, all organizations now have become, have become completely transparent because we can see what you're like. We can see whether you're, um, uh, whether you, we can see if you're, if you're a white organization. We can see if there's diversity and inclusion. 
because we can see it all on on social media and and the buyer and the the employee we we can all do that and <laughs> they're, people they're going to find and out people, yeah well well yeah but, you know so a friend of mine went for a job and um he found um the ceo's pictures of the ceo online in ladies clothing and when he went for the interview he he asked him and said and he said, and it was a, it, it's a fraternity. I don't understand. It's a fraternity thing or some. Oh, you know, okay, you okay. Yeah, you know, it, it's they have a special day or college or university thing. You know, like in America. Um, and um, um, so, but but the thing is, is that the stuff was out there. Now, if you're not posting stuff, you know, a friend of mine said, if you're not on social media, then you clearly have something to hide. Yes. Um, yes. Absolutely. And, and and what what you know, we 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 look out over social media especially LinkedIn and we can see what your your company's like. Yeah. And that and 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 we can see exactly what you're doing and what you're thinking and people just don't seem to understand that. Yeah, and actually uh you write if you're not on LinkedIn then you don't exist. A millennial friend said to me, if somebody isn't on social media, then I assume they yeah. have something to hide. I loved yeah. that. I loved that line. So let's uh jump ahead to yep. a couple other things here. So let's go to chapter four. Yeah. Talk about influence. What do you mean by influence? Well, of course, you know, that's a term that a lot of people might not understand, kind of like community. What what do you mean by influence? And how do you get it and, and how do you leverage it? Influence is um we all have influence. You know, if someone comes to you and say, uh that, that avatar film, is that any good? And you say, well, no, I didn't really like it. Okay, well, or or this restaurant, do you think it's any good? Uh, mm-hmm. No, I really loved it. You know, it, it's that they really look after you. So what we all have influence and we all look at people for influence. What we, we have now, though, is what I'm talking about there is influence in the physical or analog world. We have this thing where we've switched over to the digital world. So we're now in a situation that what we, we can do is that we're able to influence people. Now... One of the things that businesses struggle with big time is that the fact that when I connect to you, Douglas, I connect to you. And if you suddenly move company, my relationship with you moves. I'm not connecting with the company. Mm-hmm. As a buyer, until I actually engage with you, I'm not interested in who you are and, um, and, and your, and your products. Right. So what I am, what I am interested in is Douglas and what he's saying. Because what, what, you know, what, what Douglas is saying, Douglas got, Douglas has got some really great insight about, um, or, or, you know, you've got a great podcast. Right. And you talk about how people, buyers want, don't want brands, they want personalities. Yes. So, so, um, uh, if I'm allowed to talk about football, that's football as in you call it soccer, but it's really called football. Um, Christian Ronaldo, he has seven times more followers than the top 10 brands in the world put together. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's because personality beats branding every single every single day. You know, if you, if you take Nike, if Nike wants to sell um, basketball uh, uh, equipment, they get LeBron James to do it. If they want to sell football equipment or soccer equipment, um, they get Christian Ronaldo, um, and what we see is that the, the fact that that the the un, our unique selling point is our employees. The unique selling point of their their employees are their um, 
their experiences and their skills and their expertise. That's what I'm buying buying into. And it doesn't matter about whether uh, whatever happens with chat GPT or, or whatever, what I'm doing is when I, bu- when I buy something from a B2B perspective, I'm building a relationship with an individual and it's that influence. So just as much as that person walked, saw the uh, salesperson at Namos and said, I think that you can help me, that salesperson had influence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what they're doing is that they're using their influence and their expertise to go out to the market and say, "This, this is what I'm. This is what my expertise is in." Um, and um, that's how you, you, as a business, if you think about the cumulative influence of of all of your uh, employees, immediately that makes a massive change from a strategy point of view. So you have salespeople basically doing what they do in connecting with people, but you may have HR people also working in in a a way because they're trying to recruit people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we have a a client in Cambridge in the UK that that no longer uses recruitment consultants and no longer pays for job ads. Because what happens is that Buyers are out there going, or job hunters are going out there going, you look like a really interesting company. I love your STEM program or I love your um, uh, uh, corporate sociability program. I want to work for an organization like that. And they're walking towards them. And they're becoming the employer of choice at less cost. This is the transformation that digital is that, that is causing out there, where what we're by by empowering our employees to have digital skills, not to use, um, we're not talking about applications or anything like that. We're talking about empowering the employee to be digital, and by using those digital things and skills, what will happen is that the processes change, and that will strip out cost. It's important to underscore that we're talking about using digital in a human way, a more human way. Yes. You know, there, you mentioned uh, talking about individual employees. Very interesting line on page 296. You know, when you write a big book like this, it's probably interesting for you to hear <laughs> what resonates with all the different... Uh, it did, I, I, I love it. I love it, Douglas. You write, your buyers and customers are interested in people and experiences. Marketing needs to understand that their role now is to build a digital bridge between the people in the company and their prospect and customers. And there's another thing I wanted to ask you about. I want to I want to jump back, and that is where I wanted to mention. I, before we were recording, I told you that it's my sense that a lot of salespeople listen to this show, and I'm always so yep. impressed. And I'm delighted to know that salespeople uh, find it helpful. I have a feeling they're probably pretty successful people. And this line from seven, page 77 kind of brought it to mind. You said, one of the underlying themes of this book is that social sellers have to be much better at marketing than traditional sellers. Explain what you mean there. Traditionally, I think from a sales perspective, that they have um, seen their role as one of, um, I'm just going to sit at a desk and I'm going to make calls. I'm going to learn a message and I'm just going to basically put that message out. Mm -hmm. And because of digital things have changed within sales. Because of the modern buyer, things have changed and, and we have to change with it. You know, when I um, I remember being given, I'm old enough to remember getting my first 486 laptop. Sweet. And there were salespeople, 25% of the salespeople basically refused to use it, 
we had a sales administrator and they said, I'm sorry, we're salespeople. We don't use um, IT equipment. We have a sales administrator. It, it was always a she because that was the time when it was. Um, and she will do the typing. And those people left. And those people went to work for organizations. And those organizations don't exist anymore. Oh, that's right. In the book, um, you talk about a typing pool. It brought back memories for me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, when I first started uh, in uh, first started in sales, we had a typing pool. Uh-huh. So when I was given that laptop, I said, I need to make sure that I stay current with these things because I can see these people are basically just going to fall by the wayside. Um, and um, and so what happens is that we – one of the things – what we do, what we teach – salespeople is that we explain to them and we show them how to build a biocentric profile. Now, they actually have to create that themselves. They they also have to learn to go out and connect with people. And we also te- teach them how to create content. Now, one of the things is that salespeople sometimes say, well, content is marketing's job. Yeah, well, yeah. It, well, how do you respond it, to that? That was a very important part well, of the book. Well, it, it's, it's, it's not. Content is, you know, what what your buyers are looking for. The buy, your buyer is looking for a, um, the buyer is looking for an expert. They're looking for someone that they can build a relationship with. They're looking for someone that's not going to stitch them up. They're going out onto social. We know this. They're doing that, and they're looking and making those judgments. Now, um, what we see, the, the the you know, if you write a LinkedIn profile about yourself, so Chris. Chris Fleming, who's the CEO of Cyberhawk, he's written a lovely two 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 pages in in the book, and he talks about why they decided to be a digital organization. And one of the one of the things that he recognised was that there are first and foremost they are what they do, which is a um, a um, a drones company which look with the drones look at pylons and oil rigs. But he also recognises that they are a media company. Because they need to be in a situation where they're constantly putting out content, which people are going to find insightful and people are going to engage with. Now, why do you want that? Because if you're not putting out content, you are invisible to the modern buyer. If you're putting out brochures, you're invisible to the modern buyer. What you do is you need to be using content as a way of uh, generating business. Now, what does that mean? Um in our um, introduction to social media and influence presentation, we use a particular post that one of my team, it was Eric that I mentioned earlier on, uh, he put out. It was a picture of him, uh, him and his son by the beach. They live in Aberdeen near the beach, and he put that picture out. That got him 124 leads, six C-level meetings, two proposals, and one purchase order. And it took him 10 minutes to do. Now, what I'm saying in the book is that we need as salespeople to understand that by putting out content, which we keep thinking is marketing's job, actually is the best piece of prospecting that we can. I mean, what else can you do in 10 minutes that's going to get you six C-level meetings? And this is what you talk about as human content, right? This is, yes. Yeah, so one of, in, in the book, we, we've done some analysis and research about what content works on social media and what content doesn't. And it won't surprise you because it won't surprise Mark, uh, Mark Schaefer and it doesn't, won't surprise Andy Paul and all the, 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 the authors like that, that when you put out branded content, nobody's interested. <laughs> 
And we can see that. And everybody who watches this can go out and just look at the likes because if someone, when someone likes or comments on a post, what they're doing is that they're showing that they, they, I like that. Mm -hmm. It resonates with me. This is, this is how you as a business and how as an individual, you show digital resonance. And what, so you'll see, you, you go to a brand, you, you go to their LinkedIn profile and you'll see it has very few comments and all the likes will be from people within that organization. That is not showing digital resonance. It's just, as you say, broadcast. Mm -hmm. What we're doing is that we're going, what we do as salespeople today is that we go out on digi onto digital. We are, um, we, we present us uh, as our best selves, who we are, our authentic selves, the people that, that, that uh, as a position that people are going to buy into, because that's how we buy into. We don't buy into um, uh, influencers. We buy into people that are themselves. We have the networks and then we're creating content as salespeople where we're connecting people, connecting with people. But we're using this as a way of generating conversations. Yes, because because if someone comes to you and says, "Hey, you, I I I totally understand you and your son out on the beach," but it, you know it's the best. You know when when you've got children, you know they, they, they're going to fly the nest, and when they're sixteen, you, you need to do that. That person has made a connection with you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That gives you an opportunity to say, you don't write to them and say, "Hey, Douglas, um, I'm your local salesman for um, iPhones, and I'd like to have a meeting with you." You write to them and say, "Hey, Douglas, um, loved your comment on the uh, my post today. Yeah, uh, uh, it's really great. Um, he's already said he's going to go to university and he's going to fly the nest. Can we connect?" Yeah, I can guarantee you that you will get a connection request. And then what happens is you go, you say, "Thanks, really." Um, when they've connected, thanks. Um, and you start a conversation mm. yeah. and that conversation turns into, Hey, we've got lots of things in common. Let's get on the zoom call. So Tim, your book is, I think 305 pages. And just so you know, it got me so excited. I have eight pages of questions and we're not going to get to all of them. And you're actually kind of blowing up my script here because you're jumping around and I absolutely love it. We're getting to the really juicy stuff, but I got to tell you, there were two chapters that I liked more than more than the others. Don't tell the other chapters. I said that. <laughs> yeah, you know, you, you know, it's like children. You can't have favorites. I know, I know, I know, right? And but one of them was selling the idea of social selling, you know, and measuring success within your uh, organization. Yeah. And on page one seventy four, you said sales leaders say to me, yeah, "This social selling stuff is all very well, but where are the leads? The meetings? Where are the leads? And yeah. The closed deal. So what I wanted to do from that chapter was touch on some of the objections that you often get from organizations, because I think this might be really helpful for a lot of the listeners who are trying to get their organization to go in this direction. Now, you mentioned one of them was, you know, you talked about your response when somebody says, my customers are not on social. It's just not true. It's not. But I also wonder if they say that to you, it sounds like they don't want to do this. You know, they're frightened of change, which we all are. But there was another one that I found interesting. And um, page 176, I had to laugh when you quoted someone who once said to you, all this talk about social networks, sorry, I have just no idea. I'm not on Twitter and have the minimum on LinkedIn. In fact, you've got me thinking that I cannot wait for my retirement to come around. <laughs> yeah, she she retired, yeah. Oh, uh, well, you know, have you had any success with people that just don't get it or, or really don't want to? Um yes, so so generally what we find is that there's a it's a there's a classic uh, bell curve. 
Um, oh. You'll talk to 20% of the people. 20% of the people generally are really up for it. And just by giving them a, um, a um, what they're waiting for is permission. Most people are scared. You know, when I was in, in corporate world, you know, if you posted on social media, you got fired. Um, and so we're, we're still kind of dealing with that. And so there's a certain amount of permission. You give them a methodology where they go, you do this, you do this, you do this, um, and they're off and they go and they are just turn into rock stars. Um, you then get this, this, the 60% in the middle and then 20% at the end who will generally go just as I, in the story I told about um, when we were given laptops and told that we were going to start doing our own typing. There will always be people that will say, I can't cook, I won't cook. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, these mm-hmm. salespeople that said, you know, I don't do typing, um, you know, and uh, most people laugh at this because we all do typing, you know, um, we have done for 30 years. Yeah, but um, I can remember so, working in an agency in New York many years ago, and the art directors all had their boards there, and they had the razors and the glue and the tape, and mm. they came in and they said, uh, "All right, you're all you're all going to start need to do this on computers now." And some of them just resisted like crazy, mm. but they finally they finally came around. So, in terms of objections that we often get, will be um, um, as we, we've covered them, things like um, we don't do our we don't sell on. We can't sell on social because we have to have a conversation. Um, another um, objection we quite often get is there's a lot of people in the past have said that social selling takes a long time, um, and that is utter rubbish. Or that um, it's playing on social media. Yeah, basically it's play. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. What what you're doing is is you know if if you have very clear intent, you know, and the world has changed. You know, um, you and I have never met. And we don't need to ever met. I, I've never met Mark Schaefer, but I, I would. Cla- I, I don't know about Mark, but I would class him as a friend. Mm-hmm. I, I would class. You know, you know, we've never met, but you know, I I highly respect you. Um, and and the the what we have is that you can actually if 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 when when Eric put, put, puts a post about his son out on social media, and you say and you connect with that, um, then what happens is that. You can move to a relationship very, very fast. You can send someone a connection request. You can, you know, we've had a situation where, um, um, where, you know, we've, we've, we've connected some, to somebody on a Monday. We end up having a presentation to them on a Wednesday. We're presenting to the board on the Friday and we get the purchase order on a Monday. Um, now, what I would say, I have to have to give a caveat. It is come to if anyone wants to know what the high water mark of social selling looks like, come to a DLA Ignite uh, person. It doesn't have to be me. Anybody who works for DLA Ignite, what you will see is the high water mark. You will see excellent, exceptional um, content. You will see um, the way that we present ourselves. Um, and there's various things that you can be doing, you know, like your biocentric profile. If you have got a biocentric profile, if you've got a network covering a particular uh, uh, organization, and if you've got uh, excellent, uh, authentic content, you're, we've had customers saying, this is like free money. <laughs> they said, you know, it's like, why isn't everybody else doing it? And it's like, well, no, we don't know either. Um, but you know, which your client of isn't either, so that's okay. Well, yeah, well, yeah, well, you know, client of ours has got a ten thousand and one ROI, um, because because 
we, we, you know, what happens is that most people on social are rubbish. So you only actually have to be a little bit better <laughs> right. than everybody else. Yes. It's just like uh, if you and a friend are being chased by the bear, you don't the have to be the tiger, yeah. Yeah, you don't have to be yeah. faster than the bear. You just yeah. have to be faster than your friend. Exactly. Again, I had to laugh because on page 297, one sentence was, most businesses are rubbish at social. Yes. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to include a link on this episode's website page to your uh, LinkedIn company page as well as yours. Yeah. And people can go on there and click on and, and find out what some of those folks are doing. But I think like in the example you just gave of the company that where you had closed within about uh, a week, they already knew you. They already liked you. They probably already trusted you because of your network and the the content that you already put out there. Yes. So, well, yeah. So, I mean, you can sit back and do nothing, and and then wonder why it's not working, or you can step out onto digital, and you can have a great, you know, you build yourself a biocentric profile. You can go out and get, um, um, uh, build your wide and varied network, and you create the content, and then y- y- you get all the opportunity. Right, right. But you got to do the work. So let me ask well, one other question. Well, well is, but but isn't but Douglas isn't isn't that what sales is about? Yeah, it's hard work. It's just a different kind of work. Yeah, it's more efficient. It's uh, working smarter, uh, not necessarily harder. But you can. It doesn't hurt to work harder. One other question I want to ask from that chapter about the objections, though, that I thought was very interesting would be very interesting to the listeners. Talk about how you can pitch social selling as a way of modernizing the sales organization and bringing marketing and sales into better alignment, which is a big problem a lot of companies I deal with. It's yeah. It's why I wrote the uh, well. Why we wrote the book, Smarketing, mm-hmm. which is about bringing sales and marketing teams together. Um, so th- there's a number of things that that you know uh, the organisations need to look at, and one of them is you, you know sales and, and marketing need to be working in unison. Um, marketing is changing and evolving. Um, Mark Schaefer talks about it in his book, um, and um, I interviewed him recently on my podcast and 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 actually read the the parts out to him um and um and if you're in marketing you really do need to read um mark's book mm-hmm. All of them. <laughs> um because it's a it's a bit of a wake-up call yeah um and and the thing is is that marketing can be front and center of this this is not about sales Marketing can change um, because what marketing need to be doing is they need to be the people that there are a whole set of new measures that can take place within digital. We can see now exactly which salespeople are contributing and which salespeople are not contributing. We don't actually have to go to the CRM to look at that. I mean, most CRMs are just full of hopes and dreams anyway. Right. We have... Made for the uh, sales manager, made for reporting, right? Yeah, yeah. And we have loads of leading digital leading indicators that we can use. Marketing have got an opportunity to step up and actually go to the – because normally when marketing go to the board, you know, what happens is that the, the board have a certain amount of – let's how do I put this politely – cynical um, view on what they're measuring. Here's the ability for marketing to step up and actually say – this is the data. This is what is actually going on and actually become the CFO's friend because the CFO is 
pulling his or her, her hair out mm-hmm. because of the fact that we can't we're trying to make business decisions based on what's going on the, on in the CRM and it's impossible here we have a whole bunch of data that we can be using where we can actually see ahead of the business um, you know, three, six, nine months ahead where we can actually be deciding, um, you know, is there a downturn or is there not a downturn? Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing about marketing is that ultimately they they are in control of things like the um, keywords. Um, one, of the, one of the ways that you're able to um, manipulate um, search in both search and discovery is by having the right keywords um, and explaining to the salespeople we need to have content in using these keywords because that will give the salespeople an idea about what to write about. Um, also, um, marketing um, can um, influence what's going on and p- p- be providing the support around you know, here is a methodology that we have in, in in sales, but how do we support new starters in that? How do we support people that maybe, um, you know, we're looking at the leading indicators and they're not connecting to enough people, they're not having enough conversations. Um, and also sales enablement have, have got a place in that as well. But, you know, what we have is this, this great opportunity. This is the golden opportunity for sales and marketing to start working together and do that by, by by understanding that digital means that we're going to have to do things slightly differently, but we can do that together. Yes. And listener, when it comes to marketing, Tim Hughes wrote the book on that. I did. Yes. <laughs> so, and you know, sometimes I, I forget to say this, but there may be a first time listener on the show listening to this episode and they're thinking, wait a minute, this is the marketing book podcast. Why are there a book on social? Well, there've been over 50, maybe 60 by now. And it's because I feel so strongly that the most effective marketers have deep insights into sales and buyers and that the ones that don't are really going to be sidelined and not be very effective. So there's a, there's a thing that we're seeing at the moment, Douglas, which sorry to butt in. And so I, I, I just wanted to say this, this, which is that there's a very clear demarcation taking place right now between analog and physical companies and social and digital companies. Ah. And we can see that taking place in the market. We we saw it happen in October 2020, where in the UK, where everybody went into the second lockdown and they thought, oh dear, this is not just, this is actually quite serious. Um, and what we're seeing is this movement to, 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 to work on digital. So Chris Fleming from Cyberhawk talks, talks about having, as I said earlier on, having a digital organization. But we, we, we're seeing that there's the analog, on analog companies kind of have this curtain drawn and they don't seem to understand what's going on in the digital world. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's what we're seeing also is it's a bit like America was when you had people just down the, um, the East Coast. There were people there that said, I can see that there's uh, land over to the West. I'm going to get in a, um, a, tr- a, a truck and I'm going to drive West. And I'm going to find wagon, yeah. and a covered wagon. Yeah, I was trying to think of the, the term. Yeah. And, and, and I'm going to drive West and I'm going to stake out my ground. Mm-hmm. And what we're seeing is this is organizations. It doesn't, it, and, and in fact, quite often these are small organizations because small organizations are trying to react to the big budgets of the, the big 
software companies or whatever. And what we're seeing is this, first and foremost, is, is uh, people making a decision to go digital and then building a digital dominance and pushing out the oxygen from, um, from organizations that are still analog or still don't recognize the, the, um, uh, the position of digital. But we're also seeing organizations who are basically choosing to be the leading technical and commercial digital influencer in their market or vert vertical, which is where they're going out west, they're staking out a ground, they're basically putting a flag in that ground and saying, this is this is us. Mm -hmm. And what we're seeing organizations doing using digital, using live streaming um, by empowering their, their clients is that they've become, they are the voice, they are the people that are... Uh, are creating the narrative um, and what's happening is that the, um, uh, the, the the analog or the physical companies don't understand what's happening mm. um, and 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 this change is taking place and one of the things that we're seeing with the layoffs is that there's a there's a good good opportunity to do a PhD where we're seeing the dip, where we're seeing layoffs coming from analog companies. Just as much as I saw the organizations where the salespeople who refused to do the typing, those organizations don't exist anymore. And that is taking place right now uh, on digital and right now in the world. Oh, interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm even more attuned to, to watching out for that now. And just to put a pin in that, I want to quote from page 229, one of my, another one that just jumped off the page at me. You write, there must be many of you reading this who are saying this will never happen in my organization and this and this may well be the case if so as a business your board needs to make a strategic decision to stay analog and communicate that to employees wow <laughs> that was just like a major major slap down i'm 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 being i'm being facetious because i it really scares me it scares me the organizations that don't recognize this, this this has taken place. And we have organizations that are um, saying that they're going to stay analog. And the, the employees need to know that because the employees, the, the, the employees are the people that are giving you their careers and their lives. And what we've seen over um, the last 12 months is layoff after layoff after layoff. And people need to make, be able to make choices and they need to decide whether they want to stay with that analog organization um, and let it go where it's going to go or whether they want to move to digital organizations. And I think it's important that employees understand that. Well, I thought it was interesting that you said that, but I also kind of laughed when I read it. And the reason why is because I don't think there are many companies that are saying, we are going to stay analog. And what I mean by that is, not making a decision is a decision, whether you realize it or not. And it seems yes. like a lot of these companies, you know, you might as well just say we're going to be analog. <laughs> no one's going to do that, I don't think. But that's basically what they're doing. The the other, uh, we, I, you've been so generous with your time. The, the other chapter that I really liked, we don't really have time to get into all of it, was on digital maturity. Yes. And it was very interesting, and I think readers would like this, because you walk through about six or seven levels of digital maturity, A Stairway yep. to Heaven, a, a reference to your vinyl record, uh, rock and roll yes. collection. Not, not a Highway to Hell. Uh, yes, thank you. Thank you. Mm. Uh, I'm talking, uh, listener, Tim is a big uh, vinyl record collector, so just so you know. Yeah. But I think it's interesting, because people who read it can figure out which level they're at. 
and what they might be running into in the future. But I wanted to just ask you about one thing that was on page 219 before we wrap up, where you write, many C-level people we meet, we're at we're top of the class at school and college, and nothing has yep. beaten them to date. When we get asked to talk about social at board level, yep. there is a lot of nodding and comments like, I get it. But we actually find that I get it means I don't get it, <laughs> but cannot yes. admit it in front of other people in the team. What do they not get? So if we look at the world today, you know, I'm, um, I grew up in the world where there was, uh, no computers, no mobile phones, um, no, um, uh, no internet, uh, no maybe, Facebook. Maybe black and white TV when you were little? Uh, yeah, we had four channels. Um, uh, I actually remember, um, the first color someone said you need when I was probably five or six, they've got it in color. So, and we have a lot of people that are grown up and grown up in that area. They were probably, um, you know, very clever at school. They were probably in the um, uh, captain of the cricket team or crap captain of the football team. That's soccer to you. Um, thank you for translating. Yeah, thank you. Um, and, um, you know, they were probably head boy or something. They probably went through the school and university system and it all became very easy to them. We now live in a world which is post-COVID. We have... Um, what people are calling a polycrisis. You know, we've got the war in Ukraine. We've got um, uh, we've got inflation. Um, uh, Chat GPT. We've got um, the internet. We've got mobile phones. We've got um, uh, employees that are saying we're only we want to come and work for you if um, you uh, give us table tennis tables and you know and, and you know we want we want purpose etc etc. Um, and what's happened is that they're in a situation where they've never come across this before. <laughs> you know, we, we, we live in a world where we know that, and we talked about this earlier on, which is um, we live in a world where what happened in the past is not going to help us go out in the future. Um, recently at um, uh, Cyberhawk, they recruited a new CMO. So they went out to the market and said, we want someone with 20 years digital marketing experience. We said, you're making a big mistake. Mm. Um, the person lasted five months because the person turned up and said, what I want to do is I want to do some um, Google ads and I want to have an email list and I want to do this. So like, we, and Chris and, said, we and don't a press do that release. anymore. Yeah. yeah, and a press release. We need a PR agency. that, And it's like, we don't do that anymore. You don't need to, you know, if you're putting out enough content, the SEO takes place, it, it, it looks after itself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I'll be, I can, I can, I can get myself onto the page one of um, Google, not by using some agency that's going to try and manipulate my way, but by, by creating great content. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, we live in this world where um, the leaders today, and I'm not having a go at leaders, but many leaders that we talk to um, are in this situation where they don't understand all of those things. One of the things that I quite often ask to people is, do you use Uber? It, it, you use it, tend to use it a little bit more in the US than you do in the UK. Uber is such a fantastic, you know, I get on my, you know, I get on my phone. Um, you know, when I was in, we, we were, I was in San Francisco in 2019 and we went everywhere with by Uber. Mm-hmm. Um, we then go on the train up through Seattle into Vancouver and we get to van and um, we come out of the station and I said, oh, we get Uber. And they say, oh, we haven't got that here. I said, how did you get a taxi? They said, oh, you've got to stand in the queue over there in the rain. 
And you say, you what? You've got to stand in the rain over there in a the queue. I said, well, there isn't any taxis. Well, yeah, you're going to be standing there a long time. And this is the difference that we're seeing. That we're seeing this 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 difference taking place in the world, where we, on one hand, we understand digital, but on the other hand, there's people that don't. Mm. And 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 right now, leaders have got to get an understanding. And I'm hoping that 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 people listen to this realize that that so much has changed. You know, when we do this introduction to social media presentation that we give, um, the the response is usually. Um, one word beginning with F and the other one is beginning with hell because, because, because they realize they that means it's working, Tim. That, well, <laughs> good storytelling, of course, Douglas. Uh, 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 but what they realize is that the, the world has changed so much. You know, when you show a post where, where someone is taking a photo of his son on the beach and it gets six sea level meetings, this, 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 you know, people think that, People still think that we're going onto social media and we're playing around. It's about flowers on your profile and, and we're all going to, you know, isn't it, isn't it lovely? And, 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 oh, they don't get any business. People are getting million, multi-million dollar deals. And if you're not, if you're not on social media, you don't have a profile, you're invisible and you're not getting those deals. And if you're not getting these deals, that's impacting your pipeline and your revenue. And senior leadership have got to get a grip and get to understand what digital means and the impact that it can make to their business. And what I'm talking now is about using digital as a strategy, not as a tactic, yes. because everybody uses it. All organizations are using it as a tactic and you need, and if you, you use it as a strategy, this is where you start being able to get the, the leads and the meetings. This is where you start stripping out the cost of your HR and, and, and of, of recruitment fees and stuff like that. This is where you start getting the business benefits when you start using it as a strategy. Tim Hughes, I have three words for senior management. Winter is coming. <laughs> so there's, there's one last question I want to ask you about. And yes. throughout the book, you use this expression, which I absolutely love, called random acts of social. Oh, yeah. Random acts of social, they're everywhere. And at the end of the book, you write that random acts of social are like watching a drowning person thrash around in the sea. Yes. What, what do you mean by that? Well, we see a lot of people that that are putting using social and you know, they as I talked about earlier on, social oh we're gonna post something. Okay. Um, what do you get for it from it? Wow, we got loads of likes and views and stuff. Okay, so are you going to take those to the bank? You know, this this is social media is this about, as I said earlier just now, it's a strategy. This is about how you're going to get um, pipeline. And I wrote the book deliberately to enable salespeople to generate pipeline. I remember one of the feedback I got from one CEO said from the first version, it's the first book I've read about social media where I could see the connection between social media and revenue. Mm -hmm. And, and what we're seeing is there's a lots of, there's a lot. The thing about social media is that you can have zero expertise and call yourself an expert. (laughs) Maybe even a guru. Yeah. Yeah. Or a guru, you know, there are, you know, the, 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 uh, I, it always amazes us that there's a there's a person out there who will teach you to be a social media influencer, but they're not a social media influencer. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, 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 and there are there's a sales expert out there that has no sales experience on their LinkedIn profile. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we have this situation where the barrier to entry 
to on social media to call yourself a guru or an expert or whatever is zero and 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 so um what what um what we see is a lot of people talking you know you've seen the, all the get rich quick schemes um there was one guy in germany that said he could make everybody a million dollars in six months he then uh, after a couple of uh, weeks he disappeared mm-hmm. um and so you've got this situation where people are posting stuff and they don't know why they're posting it and and you say so what do you get from it and they said well what do you mean you get from it i've just been told by marketing to post it no so, so how many conversations did you get how many how many meetings well we didn't get anything at all what, you, what are you talking about mm-hmm. it's like well <laughs> why are you doing it why are you taking up your day posting stuff that's not generating anything so so it, it, it well it, it, there are people that are just posting stuff randomly um because hey we need we need visibility on on, on and um my partner said to me someone said to her recently well we need to post something on linkedin on linkedin why well we just need to post something we just need to get the word out yeah 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 it's like <laughs> but but no one's listening you know it's like it, it it's the same old thing douglas of standing on top of the building and shouting Right. And hoping that someone's going to listen. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, let's wrap up. Tim Hughes, if readers took only one thing away from the book, what would you hope it would be? The, the one thing that I would hope that they took away is that uh, knowing and doing are two different things. Mm. And um, if you read the book, please don't just take the book and put it. So, so I always, if you're going to buy it, please buy the book. Don't buy the Kindle version. It's it's de- it's deliberately written like a workbook. I have people that have sent me photographs of of where they've got tickets in the you know uh, post-it notes in certain oh, pages and highlights in and, the wild. Uh, yeah, yeah, and 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 you know um, people who carry it with them at all times so they can dig into it. That's what it was been written for. It's it's written for you to to help you every single day um, and for you to dig into it. And and but if you're going to do it. I'm going to give you a whole load of knowledge, but you need to, it, your job is then to go away and um, uh, implement that um, and knowing and doing two different things. Yes, yes. So what's one thing a listener could do today after, as soon as they stop listening to this podcast, just to put in action one of the ideas from your book to get them headed in that direction? The three things that I talked about, change your profile. To turn into a get, get it a bar centric profile and connect to people, connect you know connect to all your friends, connect to all the co- your customers, and don't do it in a spammy way. Just say I want to connect to you, um, and 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 do that. And and s- quite often you'll find we we often find when we train people when you just start connecting to people, they actually start getting meetings. <laughs> it's quite it's 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 really funny at the second module that we run where we get people to connect in a non-spammy way and people start going i just got a meeting and someone else goes i just got a meeting as well and they go oh this works then does it yeah it's like the other day i got an email from a long time uh friend of mine and he sent it out to everybody and just said hey we only have this one phone number left this is this is our new phone number i hadn't heard from him in a year yeah. well <laughs> It generated all kinds of phone calls and people talking to him, and yep. he was just trying to let everybody know that you know he'd gotten rid of his other phone number. So yeah, that's great. Buyer-centric profile, and mm. I know people can go to your website to learn that. There's other good places on the internet. I want to put a plug in for uh, another author uh, who's been on the Marketing Book Podcast who writes quite a bit about 
LinkedIn, John Esperian. And he is the author of Content DNA, and he's a marketing book podcast listener, and he listens to this every Friday while he's walking his dog in Wales. Shout out to John Esperian. So, Tim, are there any recent or upcoming books besides Mark Schaefer's book? I am your king. That you <laughs> recommend or are looking forward to reading? Um, the, the recent books that I've, um, I've read is um, Unreceptive by Tom Stanfield. Oh, yeah. That was on the show. Great book. Yeah. Re- really great book. Um, and um, yeah, it's really good. Um, another um, – oh, I've actually realized I've picked two Kogan Page books. Sorry about that. Um, for those that don't realize, Kogan Page is my author. So another one – Your um, publisher. But was Tom's, was Tom's uh, by Kogan Page? No, I don't think so. No, it wasn't. No, but the next one is, um, which is The New Chameleons by Michael R. Solomon. Oh, I haven't heard of that one. Interesting. Yeah, it's so Michael has written marketing textbooks in the past. Oh. Um, and this is again talking about the new buyer. It's a very, it's a B2C book rather than B2B. Um, and, um, there's some great case, stu- case studies in there, you know, about how, um, in the past when a girl bought a dress for a prom, she just went down the shop and saw it in the window. And now what she does is she's, she's searching on Instagram and Pinterest and then she comes up with some ideas and she creates a board on Pinterest and then she shares it with her network and they, you know, and, and it's just amazing about how different the buyer is today. Mm, yeah. The New um, Chameleons, I have heard of that. How to Connect with Consumers Who Defy Categorization, Michael Solomon. Yeah. Um, and um, uh, using, uh, you you also had um, Nancy Harhut, I think, on. Yes. Using Behavior Science in, in Marketing. It's a lovely book. Yes. Um, with great examples of use, as it say, using behavioral science. And I'm going to be cheeky and put in a, a fourth one, which is Cascades by Greg Sattel. Cascades. Yeah, how to create a movement that drives transformational change. He actually explains a mathematical formula in that book um, how he, and he explains how to create a revolution if you're looking to do that politically or it, how to create a um, uh, a movement if you're looking to do that from a sales and marketing perspective. Oh, interesting. Cascades, How to Create a Movement that Drives Transformational Change. Yes. By Greg Sattel. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, super. Well, that's great. Well, at marketingbookpodcast.com, we will include links to everything linkable, including um, – your, all the books that have been mentioned, your website, your LinkedIn profile, your company LinkedIn profile, your Twitter account, uh, all those kinds of things. And uh, a word to you, dear listener, I want to ask you a big favor. Please reach out in some way to Tim Hughes. Congratulate him on this book. Thank him for being a guest on the Marketing Book Podcast a second time. Clearly, he has a high threshold for pain. Send him a message on LinkedIn, Twitter, or, or his website. He's He's pretty active on social media, so he would love to hear from you. And he was before we started recording, he was nice enough to say that when he was on the show in 2019, he heard from a lot of listeners. And a lot of guests have told me that they've really enjoyed hearing from Marketing Book Podcast listeners. And Tim, not just because Marketing Book Podcast listeners are so ridiculously good looking. And if you are listening on your smartphone and you've subscribed to the Marketing Book Podcast on your favorite podcast app like Spotify or Apple Podcasts, All these links can be found by going to this episode right now and clicking on this episode's website link. Final quote. Sorry, Tim, I couldn't resist. What I hope you understand from this book is that while there are many advancements in the world of technology, there are some fundamentals that never change. 
People want to be treated as human. People are looking for insight. They want to be helped. They want to be entertained. People will buy from people they know, like, and trust. People don't want to have their time wasted with irrelevance, such as brochures and brochureware. People are not interested in your company or its products, but they are interested in you. People are just like us. The book is Social Selling, Techniques to Influence Buyers and Change Makers. The author is Tim Hughes. Tim, thank you very much for returning to the Marketing Book Podcast. Thank you, Douglas. It's been exciting. It's, I, I love talking. You you always read the book and you come up with some great things and ask some great questions. Thank you so much for your research and your time. My pleasure. And that closes the book on another episode of the Marketing Book Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and found it helpful. Special thanks to this episode's sponsor, Marketing Architects, creators of the all-inclusive TV advertising concept that's so revolutionary, they wrote a book about it. For a copy of the book, All-Inclusive TV, How Booming Brands Are Reimagining TV Advertising, visit this episode's website page at marketingbookpodcast.com or visit marketingarchitects.com slash book and tell them you heard about it on the Marketing Book Podcast. And if you are one of the legions of listeners who have left an iTunes review, please let me return your kind favor by mailing you some Marketing Book Podcast stuff. Just send me your mailing address anywhere in the world and I'll drop it in the mail. And remember the words of the late, great Jim Rohn who said, formal education will make you a living, self-education will make you a fortune. <laughs>